0: Come in. Oh my god. Oh my god, let's Corbyn. You have a nasty habit of surviving. Well, you know what they say about the fittest? What that sound means, guys. You know what that sound means. It is time for another episode of Young Persons Radio right here on Radio Free Brooklyn with me, your host, Colby Smith, the only program on the airwaves where you, the listener, are guaranteed to be cooler than the host. That's right. If you came for laughs. If you came for a good time, if you came for a good way to start off your Sunday morning, then you are in the right place. Uh, I'm Colby Smith. I host this program every week at this time. We are kicking off the first live show of the day, uh, which is 13 straight hours of live talk right here on Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, continuing all the way through until, uh, I guess, 11 p.m. this evening. Uh, so uh, enjoy that. This, I am usually coming to you live. This is a live program where I take calls and uh, I talk to some of the uh, coolest and most interesting people I know in the city. But uh, uh, as, a, as a surprise uh, for you all, uh, we are pre-recorded today uh, for the first time ever, um, which is a it's a format that uh, we're trying out. Uh, so we'll see how, how it goes. I'm feeling really good about it. And why is that? Well, because I have in the studio joining me The first ever repeat guest for the show for Young Persons Radio, and his name, you know him, it's Matt Strickland.
1: What up? You're back. I'm back. I just couldn't stay away. I had too much fun the first time. I'm also super honored to be your first uh, repeat customer. Hey, Thank you for having me. You were the
0: first person I thought of when I knew I was going to have to pre-record an episode this week.
1: Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. as, uh, uh,
0: As everyone's hearing this, I am in Pittsburgh uh, tabling at the Pittsburgh Indie Comics Fest uh, for a book uh, called 18 to 24, which is short stories that me and uh, my friend Max Winters wrote. Um, so if you want to hear more about that and how you can read or buy, preferably both, the the thing, then uh, definitely uh, hit me up.
1: And I am in Wildwood, New Jersey, shooting a music video for my very talented friend, Katie Slyker. Oh,
0: both up to... Uh, Interesting project. Well, on you this day. I, yeah, you plugged your thing, so I wanted to do my thing too. I mean, I I, I welcome it. Oh, thank you. I, this is this is a huge platform, Matt. This is a huge platform. Yeah,
1: I can't wait for that'll probably get me one <laughs> click from <laughs> Tim
0: Keck. <laughs> uh, great. So, um, I want to. Uh, uh, so, the, the reason we're here today uh, is because uh, Matt and I we are piloting on this very program. A new show that mm-hmm. we'll be doing, a podcast, a podcast together. Well, we we were just chatting at a bar the other day,
1: and we yeah. were like, you know what? There's not enough of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Nobody's doing them of white guys in Brooklyn talking <laughs> about the cinema. <laughs> there's not enough of those. The people, I, it's just a market that I think is uh, not flooded.
0: I don't think so either. I, I think there's a huge hole in it, and I think <laughs> people are crying out for it. And I, I mean, you know. I, I say I, I approve every week. I've got my ear to the ground with this show, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what people want is uh, is what we're giving them.
1: Now. Yeah, especially us, because uh, we are going to do a podcast about the cinema, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone's always saying, Kolb, you got great opinions. You got great <laughs> opinions about films. Uh, we love listening to them. We want to hear more of them. Yeah. I wish there was an organized structure mm-hmm. uh, for your opinions to be." Uh, a platform for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we uh we're answering those calls uh today. Mm-hmm. Um so but you're, I think, it's, I you're think welcome. it's both of us uh I think it's fair to say that movies mean a lot to both of us. Yeah. Uh and I mean we're going to talk more about b- that in a moment, but uh you know, we uh uh we're excited to share, you know, our, our cinematic journeys. Yes. <laughs> with everybody. Uh but enough vamping. Yeah. Enough vamping. No more vamp. Let's get into it. We're going to take a quick musical break. Uh, and then get into it um, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Young Persons Radio. I'm your host, Colby Smith. I'm joined in the studio today by Matt Strickland, uh, and we will be back in just a moment.
1: Hello, everybody. Hey, guys, welcome to The Best Cast, the podcast where Colby Smith and Matt Strickland review every best
0: picture winner ever. That's right. Not in any particular order. (laughs) Nope, just whatever order we feel like it. That's right. Uh, so yeah, so over the next, uh, however many weeks, uh, we're going to go through Years. Years, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For as long as there are Best Picture winners, we're going to do an episode review, uh, per Best Picture winner, mm-hmm. uh, in, in no particular order, and go through every, every single one.
1: Yeah, we're going to tell you what we liked about the films, what we didn't like about the films, and also whether or not we thought that that was a deserving Best Picture winner. Exactly. And, uh, spoiler alert, a lot of them we got some problems with.
0: Yep, yep. Don't want to tip our hand here. Yeah, We'll get to those. We'll get to those. And the movie that we chose to kick things off is the 1945, uh, or the 1946 Best Picture winner, The Lost Weekend.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. startling novel of the decade, brought to the screen with uncompromising frankness, pulling no punches, knowing full well the storm it would cause. For this is a relentless, terrifying tale of five lost
0: days and nights, torn from a man's life, bearing his heart and soul. The Lost Weekend, starring Ray Milan in one of the great performances of motion picture history. And Jane Wyman as the girl who shared his desperate journey into fear you just happen to walk in on this. Now, if you know what's good for you, you'll turn around and walk out again, and walk fast, and don't turn back. Down strange forbidden byways, he wandered in search of his soul. One woman loved him too much to let him lose it. Another wanted him enough to take him without it.
1: You do like me a little, don't you, honey?
0: Why, that's Gloria, You just heard the trailer, the original trailer for uh, Billy Wilder's The Lost Weekend. The Lost Weekend. So The Lost Weekend is based on a novel by Charles Jackson, which was a bestseller, uh, and it follows uh, uh, five days in uh, the life of a New York alcoholic played by Ray Milland, mm-hmm. whose name is uh, Don Burnham, Yeah, uh, and it, it was the first movie to sort of delve into... Uh, the reality of uh, alcoholism as an addiction and as a disease. Uh, it was released in 1945 and won the Best Picture at the 1946 Academy Awards, which were the 18th Academy Awards. Wow, it's crazy to think about uh, yeah. how how long it has been. Um, so, Matt, well, why did we uh, why did we pick this one?
1: Well, first off, uh, it's a classic. Uh, but it's also a classic we have never seen mm-hmm. um and it's directed by Billy Wilder who yeah. I'm a huge fan of and yeah. you are as well
0: We both uh we both big fans of Billy Wilder
1: Yeah he's made some of my favorite movies uh but this one was a uh, a hole in my you know oeuvre mm-hmm. whatever I uh so I'd never seen it so I was excited yeah. to um get into it
0: Yeah I mean uh I- I uh, I also, I mean, The Apartment might be my favorite movie uh, oh. of all time.
1: That's a movie that I show every girlfriend as like a <laughs> litmus
0: test to see if they're cool or not. And this, this was, I, I sort of feel like this is a kind of companion piece to The Apartment in some way because it's also uh, about life in New York to mm-hmm. some degree. Um, and it's also about, uh, you know, it's sort of the anti-apartment in that where C. C. Baxter is a very passive character um uh Don uh is a very active character yeah uh and I, I would like to throw this out as just sort of an entry point uh that we can start talking about the movie matt billy wilder i think and i don't think i think he would probably characterize himself in this way too is is a very like utilitarian director right uh i mean the there are no like fancy shots uh you know there's no like moving camera there's no like sweeping uh there's no like very self consciously artful Uh, shots in the movie however there
1: are are some really good ones though there's a few that i wanted to talk
0: well yeah so same here so uh so i feel like he gets this reputation as more of a craftsman than like an auteur Mm -hmm. uh however so many movies from this area and leading up to this year were basically just like filmed plays uh, where it 's just like a lot of people standing around talking in like nicely furnished apartments, but this one it, it very much uses the medium of the movies. There are a lot of different locations there are mm-hmm. a lot of interesting angles, uh, a lot of like very uh poignant point of view shots right. from it and I think that they are uh, undoubtedly filmic I think you, you as, as much as uh, as Wilder kind of gets overlooked in terms of like a visual uh, 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 perspective um, I think he 's up to a lot here that 's more subtle. Yeah, I agree. And
1: uh it's it's he makes most of the film takes place in in various interiors, a so mm-hmm. bar, apartments, uh, you know, foyers, mm-hmm. which he makes very visually dynamic in cool ways, mm-hmm. just from like you said angles and point of view shots, uh, which is great. And
0: um and yet, interesting. Th- the, the perhaps the most famous sequence from the movie is where he's staggering up 3rd Avenue. Uh, trying to hawk his typewriter, right? Uh, and like all the signs are going by, which, uh, from my reading, this movie was the first to do it was the first to do that that technique. I heard, so I
1: I, I can't confirm this, but I, when I was doing some research, I heard because that looked like rear projection to me. Mm-hmm. But I also heard that they filmed uh, some scenes with hidden cameras. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of the the actor Ray Milland actually walking around New York. Yeah, and they filmed it with hidden cameras. Yeah, which is interesting. And I, yeah, I bet you that that's probably the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we, we should also back up and say uh, you know, this movie won four Academy Awards, not just Best Picture. Yeah. Also Best Director for Billy Wilder, Best Adapted Screenplay for Wilder and uh, Charles Brackett. And Best Actor, Ray Millant, for, for Ray Milan, yeah. Who uh, gave
1: one of the shortest acceptance speeches ever in the history of the Academy Is that true? Yeah, that's true. What was it?
0: It was basically like, oh, wow, thank you so much, Ingrid. And then he walks off stage. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I was talking uh, recently about uh, when Alfred Hitchcock got his honorary Oscar. Mm-hmm. I played the clip on this show uh, when we did the Oscar special. Is He just comes out, he accepts the statue, and he says into the microphone, thank you, and then walks off. <laughs> yeah. In like a what took you so long kind yeah. of way.
1: I like to think that when I get my Oscar <laughs> – uh, that's what I'll do. It'll or maybe a, I just won't go. Yeah.
0: Or maybe you'll do the Ben Affleck, uh, uh, Matt Damon thing and just, like, fucking party. <laughs> yeah. Just ramble. Yeah. Or, like, Roberto Benigni, like, walked across the seat tops. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh,
1: right. Yeah. Um I just I or maybe I'll just have a list of names, random names of people yeah. and I'll just
0: read all, or like right. fake names and they'll slowly get more and more ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Hugh Laurie did an interesting thing when he won his Golden Globe where he was like, I have so many people to thank who worked on. he w- He w- was winning for House and he had like all their names on little slips of paper in his pants pockets, pulled out three randomly and thanked. Like the hairdresser on the set, which is great. Um, But but back to the back to the lost weekend. Uh, What were some of the shots that you uh, mentioned you wanted to talk
1: about? Well, the most striking shot for me was the shot that I'm sure you recognized too. It was the one where uh, Ray Meland, his character. Uh, of Don is rummaging around his apartment, desperately trying to find mm-hmm. the bottle of alcohol that he stashed, but cannot remember where he stashed it. Yeah, and he's leaning over like the the daybed. Yeah, uh, and it's a low angle shot with the the ceiling lamp. Yeah, sort of lurking in the background that we all know, the audience all knows that that's where he hid mm-hmm. the bottle. Yeah, but uh, and it's just sort of this like, uh, and there are a lot of shots throughout the film like that where alcohol is is sort of looming. Uh, in the corner of the frame, yeah. or the side of the frame, as 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 like a, the villain of the piece, which yeah. I really yeah.
0: liked. They there is a lot of you know form mirroring or like reflecting substance in that way, which yeah. is uh, you know it's always just kind of lurking in his mind, so it's always kind of lurking in the frame, uh-huh. which and that leads me to talk about the shot where he finally discovers where he hid the bottle in the light. Where he's kinda of laying on the day bed and looks up and you right. can see like Just the, tip. the liquid and the outside of the bottle like reflecting like the shadow of it oh, up yeah, on yeah, the yeah. ceiling. Uh, and that's really striking too. I mean that's because it's it's also enlarged, you know, because it's like a, a shadow, so it right. uh, the looming quality of it is especially, you know, on display in that shot. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know. That's something Billy Wilder, like you said,
1: doesn't get enough credit for. Mm-hmm. Um one of the other things that struck me, just like initial reactions talking about of the movie, was the score. Yes, uh, which we you, heard a little bit of. We heard a little bit of. Previously, yeah. Which is uh, just wonderful. Um, and it's very, it's like a horror score, mm-hmm. which is just a theme throughout the whole movie that this is, is a horror film, basically. Yeah. Uh, even the Don character says it, says you know his novel is a horror mm-hmm. story about uh, alcoholism because he's writing a novel within the, the movie, right? Sort of based on his life uh, about alcoholism, uh, and it's originally the movie had no score. And mm. They tested it for audiences, and the audiences found it very funny because I guess Ray Milan's over-the-top performance, uh, sans music, <laughs> just seems sort of ridiculous. I
0: get, it's not too hard to imagine that. No, it's yeah. I can totally get it. Yeah, but
1: then you had the music, and it's really effective. Also, the very first score to ever uh, use a theremin, mm. and that's the most striking aspect of the score for me because it is is that sort of it feels like a sci-fi film yeah you know
0: it's a the theremin is is for those of you who don't know um apparently is an early electronic musical instrument controlled without physical contact by the thereminist
1: yeah and it sounds very warbly and Uh high-pitched um and it's it's which
0: became a hallmark of like like horror sci-fi totally uh Let me see if I can. We can play a clip. Yeah, let's see if we can get that. Uh, But yeah, it's
1: it's every every sci-fi movie from like the '50s that's like has like a flying saucer in it.
0: Yeah, hold. Oh, this is a theremin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So here here we go. All
0: right, a lot of vamping. Yeah, a lot of lead up. See, yeah. there you
1: go. Oh, wow. This is wonderful. This is really cool. Uh, but yeah, you you know, that's that sound is sort of instantly recognizable if you uh, watch any sort of old horror or yeah. sci-fi movies.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's associated... I don't, I don't know if it showed up in The Twilight Zone, but it, it's associated with that a lot. Yeah.
1: I wrote that down in my notes, Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. for yeah. this film.
0: Yeah. Um
1: because it, yeah and it's just it's it's really effective and it it sort of shows up uh in the first scene mm-hmm. which that scene is great it it opens the scene opens and it uh with three characters the character of Don uh his girlfriend played by Jane Wyman mm-hmm. who's good, uh, pretty great in the movie and yeah. then his uh the brother character yeah. who we see briefly uh throughout the film um and the brother so the basic plot is the brother and the girlfriend uh, are trying to help Don Uh, who's a recovering alcoholic, Mm -hmm. and the brother wants to take him out of the city away to a a farmhouse somewhere. Uh, And Don is, like a lot of addicts, very manipulative of both of them Mm -hmm. and pulls a lot of uh, tricks to basically be able to stay in the city and drink. And there's a great scene where he has a bottle of liquor hanging outside the window Mm -hmm. because he can't hide it in the apartment, so he tied it to a string, and he's hanging it outside the window Mm. uh, as a hiding place away from his... uh, Girlfriend and brother, and there's a, it's a very tense scene, yeah. And it's we don't really know much about these characters yet, but it, uh, it's already it already feels very tense, and the score mm. is a big part of that for me because it, it does have this like you know, you just have all these uh, emotional uh, reactions to hearing that sort of like theremin yeah. score, and then all of a sudden it's like, and we're sort of rooting for Don. I found myself sort of rooting
0: for Don at that point to like, yeah, get away with it, yeah, yeah. This is the this is the. What's so interesting about the movie is like you you want him to get, you you want him to both get help but also succeed in, yeah, his in tricks. pulling one over yeah in his tricks in pulling yeah. one over on everybody else, uh but yeah so this was this was the first movie um to treat the alcoholic character as a uh, as a victim of a disease or like a um uh to really dr- dramatize addiction and not portray the drunk character as like a clown uh to be laughed at or like a lush uh yeah. you know which is which is the stock character in, in cinema up until that point.
1: Yeah. And then uh it's it does it sort of follows this pattern that I think we're going to see a lot in uh the best picture winners um that's it's like the social issue mm-hmm. best picture winner. Yeah. Um Which is a constant theme throughout, which I think we'll talk about during when we talk about some other films that there is a uh, sometimes you feel like the award is given to the social issue and not the film.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? So Martin Scorsese uh, famously, uh, you know, it bothered him so much that uh, he didn't have an Oscar until he won for The Departed. Like it, it he he's like he would deny it at the time, but he says now that like yeah, it really bothered me. Mm-hmm. And he was asked in an interview once uh, about lose Goodfellas losing to Dances with Wolves, and uh, he said that someone, one of the Academy voters, told him that they vote for the movie that should win. Yeah, which is a very interesting way of putting it. Uh, in this case, I mean, let's since we're talking about it, let's look at some of the other. Uh, movies that were nominated this year yeah, for so Best Picture.
1: Have you seen any of these?
0: No. <laughs> okay. So, so we can't th- talk about them too much.
1: The other films were Anchors Away, The Bells of St. Mary, Mildred Pierce, and Spellbound. Okay. Out of those movies, the only one I've seen is Anchors Away. Oh, interesting. Which is a very fun Musical uh-huh. with Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra. Okay, okay. that I saw. I haven't seen it in years since I was a kid, but I remember liking it. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where Gene uh, Kelly does a dance with Mickey Mouse. Yeah, um, which uh, you know, was just a memorable image for me as a kid. Oh, sure. But I have not revisited that film, so no. I, it's hard to say if the last weekend was one of those times, you know, where a film which we'll get to mm. later on, uh, Crash. You know, Crash mm-hmm. was a film about racism, and it's very, you know, I think a lot of people have problems with that movie and that yeah. win, um, and that's a film that seemed to be, the issue got the award, not right. the film itself. So it's hard to tell. Uh, I mean, I think The Lost Week- Weekend is definitely better than Anchors Away, so. Mm-hmm but I also have not seen the other I haven't seen the other M-
0: Mildred Pierce is held up as like a noir, an American film noir classic. Um, Bells of St. Mary's is a drama with Bing Crosby and Ingrid Bergman. Okay, that uh, probably didn't deserve Which is win. probably just fine. I imagine that's a lot more, again, I haven't seen it, but I imagine that's a lot like the grandstanding that you see in uh, like, uh, so many old movies where it's like, I tell you, I, t- I can't do it. I just can't do it. And then it's like a five minute speech. Yeah, uh, and Spellbound is a Hitchcock, um, also Ingrid Bergman and uh, Gregory Peck. Yeah, so that one I'd be interested in, in
1: uh, checking well, out. Maybe if we revisit any of those or visit for the first time any of those movies yeah. uh, on later podcasts, we can talk about yeah. how they compared to the Lost Weekend. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Another shot I wanted to talk about. Oh, since we're talking about uh, Wilder's kind of visual uh, craftsmanship here. The first one in the movie that really caught my uh, my eye in this respect was when he first goes to the bar after his brother leaves, mm-hmm. um, and there's a sh- he has his it's the first time we see him take a drink in the movie, and he gets the shot of of whiskey, and uh, they talk for a little while him and the bartender, and then there's a shot of him lifting up. The shot glass from the table oh, and, the and there are a bunch of rings of moisture where the other yeah. shots have um, have landed and I thought that was such a great it was such a great way to indicate the passage of time because it's like pulling one over on the audience also like because they seem to just be having this short conversation then they cut to that shot and it's like well actually he's been here for much longer right uh, and he doesn't he probably isn't even aware of how much he's drinking mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's also it's just a Wilder is so good, and this is another thing I wanted to talk about, uh, when we talk about story structure, is he's so good at these little uh, moments assuming a, a grander poignancy. Yeah. That one, in particular, is like through the, the use of the camera. And there's one later on where he... There's a flashback sequence where he recounts meeting his the girlfriend character, uh, Helen.
1: Right. Oh, man, that scene
0: uh well are we talking about the same one where he at the opera well there's that which is which is a terrific sequence but later when he is to meet her parents oh and he is waiting for them in the hotel and waiting for her in the hotel and he realizes that he's sitting right behind them and they're Mm -hmm. talking about like what a loser he is or like he has no job he lives off his brother he's he's a writer but he hasn't written he hasn't finished anything uh like the dad is like very unimpressed uh by him and like he he it's crushed by this. I mean, it's a crushing moment that reminded me a lot of in *The Apartment* uh, when um, uh, when he f- when Baxter finds the the broken mirror, yes, uh, or when she uh, when Shirley MacLaine pulls it out and he realizes mm-hmm. the uh, the mirror is broken and that it's her that's sleeping with right uh, Mr. Eldridge, yeah, with Fred McMurray, who's great. I mean, yeah. l- listen, outstanding. Well. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think uh, that is you can always find that in like the really good billy wilder dramas is a moment like that that is not at all contrived like could seem contrived in the hands of a lesser screenwriter Mm -hmm. um that just really assume really powerful uh proportions for me as a viewer and that's like that's the kind of stuff that i really respond to
1: yeah i agree i really like that he does a lot of uh of uh, foreground, middle ground, background mm-hmm. framing. Yeah, where like in that scene where the parents are right over his shoulder, and then he's right over there is in the reverse shot. Yeah. Um, but that happens a lot in in that same scene when he's in the phone booth, and then like there in the background. Yeah. And it's the same thing with with like the alcohol lurking on the side of the frame, like you know, a glass on a table, or mm-hmm. or you know, in the lamp, like I said before. But he does that with characters too, where there's there's people. Always to juxtapose juxtapose with whatever is in the foreground, whoever's in the foreground, mm-hmm.
0: which yeah is great. Yeah, I mean, essentially, what Locking. we're describing is like he pays he pays so much attention to the composition of his shots. Uh, and f- he was there's an interview that's on YouTube that everyone should check out of him uh, giving like a it's like an in conversation with at the WGA before he died, and he's like he's making fun of these like artistic shots where it's uh, uh, where they're like very self consciously show offy. Yeah. And he's like the camera always has to be coming from somebody's perspective, uh, which you know sounds like a very like bare bones way of approaching it. Uh, and yet that he packs the screen with so much to see. Yeah. I bet you he would uh, not be a
1: huge fan of True Detective. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> and as and no one should, but
0: sure. that's a different. Yeah, probably Conversation. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about Academy Award winner uh, Ray Milland. Performance. What are your thoughts? I thought he was great. I thought it was great too. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple.
1: There is a couple moments.
0: Wet. uh Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, we had we did, forgot to say this up top. We we're gonna just spoil the whole movie. Yeah, we're gonna talk <laughs> about the ending. About uh, yeah. We're not gonna hold back any any information. So, mm-hmm. if you want to duck out right now and go see that, uh, go rent it on iTunes or see it somewhere. Do it. It's really good. It's worth yeah. it. And then come back and finish the pod. Yeah. Um. So a moment I hated was towards the end of the movie when Ray Miland is is having his delirium moment. And it was an over the top it was a combination of performance Mm -hmm. and just the screenwriting. I really didn't like
0: this. Like his hallucinations? Yeah, I didn't care for it.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. I liked uh, so I liked the um like I liked the bleeding wall and the bat and the mouse. I like I liked that stuff and it, it as like visually i thought it looked cool yeah i just hated the, that that was the moment where the film uh seemed to go a little over the top into uh like after school special territory for me which okay. a lot of movies about that. addiction yeah. they walk that there's is a fine line there right because mm. you want to show the horrors of addiction so a movie like uh i think requiem for a dream does this sometimes where it goes a little too over the top and, mm-hmm. and hammering home like drugs are bad, drugs are bad, alcohol's bad, alcohol's yeah. bad. Like, don't do it. This is a big warning for you. It's, it almost goes into that reefer yeah. madness sort of territory. Sure. Or it goes over the top. And just, you know,
0: the idea of, like, this this delirium spell, I just right. thought was,
1: that's bullshit. <laughs> I just really well, didn't care for it. Th-
0: two things I would say about that. One is, is, like, we were talking about the horror movie elements. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, the bat, like, eating the mouse I mean, crawling I like- out of the wall, I thought was, like, that was where it went really into horror yeah. Uh, territory in uh, in a way that was like, it was interesting. I don't know if it was like as emotionally resonant for me as they probably hoped yeah. it would be. Um, the other thing is, is what we are kind of inching toward this uh, by talking about how it gets a little after school specially, yeah. which is that the ending is bad. Oh, the ending is really bad. It's, it's just bad. So,
1: but it starts out with this really powerful moment. I thought the, So uh, a a running thing throughout is just the very humiliating uh, situations that Ray Milan finds himself in Mm -hmm. because of his alcoholism. Uh, And it's really great to just they put a spotlight on it and they show you things that I think in other movies they would they would shy away from because Mm -hmm. they're very uncomfortable. So there's one scene uh, sort of in the middle of the movie where he goes to a like a very fancy sort of cocktail bar. Uh, And gets a bunch of drinks, but he has no money and can't pay for it. So he steals the woman uh, sitting next to him. He steals her purse, goes to the bathroom and takes money out of her purse and then goes back to his seat to try to like put the purse back. By then they've noticed it's gone and everyone is sort of like... Uh, they accost him and say you were sitting next to us give yeah. me back my purse uh, and sort of the entire bar is now staring yeah. at him and it's this very humiliating scene and he doesn't try to really lie his way out of it he just says yeah I took it and mm-hmm. I took this money because I don't have any money Yeah, and it's, he seems so defeated Yeah, and it's humiliating it's a crushing moment yeah and very uncomfortable it yeah. uh, oh, it's painful and there's a lot of scenes like that throughout the movie that i I really loved because it's it's stuff that you don't see in that way mm-hmm. uh with sort of it's not over the top like you know in other movies of addiction like the you know the basketball Diaries there's this like humiliating scene where Leo DiCaprio is is crying to get mm-hmm. into his mom's apartment because he needs money for drugs yeah and that is sort of like this weird it goes a little it feels like it's less real than this scene this scene felt like really i don't know just real in a way that i don't see in a lot of these kinds of movies until they kick him out of the bar and then the entire bar bursts into a song that they yeah. all know about how he stole her purse yeah yeah that part
0: is, yeah is weird it's uh i mean that that i was the the breaking into song thing i thought was very funny because it was akin to um it was into when someone drops their lunch tray in the cafeteria and everybody like starts applauding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that I was into, but yeah, I mean that's that's one of the, my favorite parts of the movie.
1: I mean, but that so that scene I, I referenced it to talk about the ending because yeah. there's a very a, a similar scene that I, I thought was very heartbreaking is where his uh, his girlfriend Jane Weinman, has finally come has finally she's like searching for him for most of the movie she's mm-hmm. finally found him he's in his apartment and she puts him and she gives him a shower and a shave and puts him to bed. And he wakes up before her and steals her jacket yeah. and takes it to the pawn shop to pawn it. Yeah. Um, and just that moment, and she like sees him and she's calling after him and he just he can't face her and he yeah. runs because he has no money and he takes her jacket. And that was a similar scene of just like, and then she, con- she follows him and confronts him in the rain. It's yeah. very dramatic. Yeah. Um, And it was a similar scene of just him like facing humiliation head on, Mm -hmm. uh, and not trying to like lie or, I don't know. It just I found it was very effective. It was yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then we find out that he didn't pawn it for money. He pawns it
0: for a gun. Yeah, to to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff like that uh, is so much more resonant uh, than the ending of the movie, which is basically she just talks him down
1: that's the that's so that's where i was getting to it has this 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 happens basically right before that moment is this this other humiliating dramatic moment that's really affecting and you're like oh my god this is bleak and great and then right after that it wastes all that moment i know (laughs) because she's just like you can do it kid and he's like i will get sober
0: yeah yeah i i think my biggest problem first of all um it's a story that there is no hope in it. And, uh, I mean, as some background, like the book the book on which it was based, uh, the author was not happy about the ending being changed. I mean, his uh, uh, version ended with, you know, the character not, with, with no hope, basically. The character not in recovery and not, you know, and unrepentant, basically. Yeah. Um, whereas this... Uh, I don't know why... This is an argument that I assume that they've had a million times. They've been together three years, they say, yeah. in the movie, and I don't understand why it's this one that changes his mind. It uh, felt very like
1: like a studio was like, you gotta put a happy ending well, on
0: it. yeah, I think that's... Uh, we were talking uh, we were talking off the air to, to, uh, <laughs> about there's a Vanity Fair profile about the production of this movie and they were basically saying that yeah it it, it, it came from the studio uh, wanting a happy ending uh, which is the kind of thing that in the studio system they used to be able to do
1: it, yeah it felt so unearned and so tacked on it reminded me a lot of the original invasion of the body snatchers oh have yeah have you ever yeah. seen that yeah, it's, he's, he's screaming they're coming for you and it's like that's where the movie ends yeah. and then there's just a completely new scene that's t- tacked on at the end that's just like a general being like, "Well, we discovered the pod people and we're going to all defeat them." And it's just like, where did this it just comes out of left we field. We got him. There's no like thematic build up. It's so unearned. Yeah. And yeah, there's no reason why he ch- he changes yeah. his mind in like
0: um, like a second. Yeah. I also just like, I don't, at the end of the day, I don't believe the happy ending. No. I don't believe that he's going to actually write this book now because he's been trying to do it the whole movie and keeps failing. Yeah. Um, And I think, I think what we're describing is, uh, you know, this pattern, this sort of very, like the last 20 minutes have this problem of like these, these like much bleaker, more, uh, more resonant moments tempered by. Like need to have a, a nice, a, a very like pat wrapped yeah. up ending, and I think that's where Pauline Kael got her line on the movie, which is as follows: "The picture lacks fluidity, and the slowly paced scenes seem overcalculated. With each colorful character and tense vignette standing out too sharply, everything is nailed down to a meaning for us." End quote, uh, and I think. So much of the movie is not, I disagree with that for many of the scenes we talked about that we like, but that last 20 minutes, I think that's nailed down to a T. They don't flow into each other very well. It is very after school, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so much of the movie up until that point is not that way. It's a very frank, honest uh, portrayal of this guy's <laughs> addiction. Uh, and then we are, we're we're slapped. We're, it's like a very jarring thing. It's like, oh, oh wait, uh, where... Where did this this sudden change in direction come? It's like a very sharp left turn where you just when you like you're driving and you just kind of like are thrown mm-hmm. to one side of the car. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I
1: mean, it makes total sense that the that the studio would just tack it on. Yeah. Um, how, why? How do you think? When I was watching this movie, uh, a lot of what I, I couldn't help but think of leaving Las Vegas which owes mm. obviously a lot to this movie mm-hmm. it's very similar in a lot of ways it's sort of um you know it's about an uh, have you seen it no i have oh it's great i know uh, too it's Nick cage playing a a loser alcoholic writer yeah. who goes to Las Vegas to drink himself to death and it's very similar dynamic there's there's a you know an angelic woman mm-hmm. which i do want to talk a little bit about that the the phenomenon of these angel women oh, throughout sure. this movie yeah. um who trap, but uh, you know elizabeth Shue plays this angelic prostitute who like uh tries to get him to stop drinking mm-hmm. uh but it's it's very similar and i feel like there's no movie that i've ever seen after having watched the lost weekend now that like no a movie about addiction that i've ever mm-hmm. seen that doesn't just completely owe you know 80 yeah. percent of it to this movie yeah. leaving las vegas basketball diaries record mm-hmm. for a dream yeah yeah this so this paved the way so it's a so yeah, it's, yeah it's it's like an archetype or a prototype i mean uh and stuff some of some of our problems i wonder some of our problems with the film i wonder how much we would have uh if we were watching it in the time yeah. of it yeah you know, as a you know is another it's like this is the first time this yeah. has been dealt with on camera mm-hmm. so it is we say we've been saying after school special which i stand by but it
0: is like hard to think about it's hard like, to contextualize yeah. yeah and i think uh i think to you know this came out in 1945 prohibition ended late 20s early 30s 30s uh, i think yeah and you know you know uh so, uh 1945 the war the world war 2 is just ending and the generation of men are coming back Home and probably struggling with a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, it's, in, I imagine a fairly prescient movie to come out in that year, you know. I mean, because, you know, Prohibition was in the memory of most people who were alive. Yeah. And they and they mention it during, mm, the, during
1: yeah. the movie. Yeah. That yeah. sort of nurse character who, uh, we definitely did not see nearly enough of him. He was great. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah.
0: Like, the too. nurse, uh, who, like, might be a homosexual man.
1: Yes. So that's, okay. So let's get into this just some scattered thoughts about so the movie it came out in 1945 it's not a shock that it has some reductive views of uh women and minorities number one let's talk about the women last because that's there's the most of them in it yeah you know the only first the only two black guys we see in the movie is a bathroom attendant and one of the other alcoholics in the Mm -hmm. hospital yeah uh and Just that that whole pawn shop scene where he's trying to sell, desperately trying to sell his typewriter, and then it turns out that the reason all the pawn shops are closed is because uh, it's, it's Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippur, <laughs> uh, and it's very obviously just like a a gentile playing a Jew. Yeah, it's, like, it's Yom yeah. Kippur. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, uh <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, yeah, of course, all the all the pawn shops are owned by Jews, <laughs> uh, and then. Yes, this this sort of swishy gay stereotype mm-hmm. of of a nurse in the hospital. Yeah, but I mean, you know, all things I noticed, but it's like, of course, it's you know, it's 1945. Yeah. What are,
0: <laughs> can I? Since we're talking about uh, the the male nurse and the the bit uh, characters, yeah. can I talk about my favorite character in the movie? Sure. It's the coat check guy. Oh yeah. So in the beginning of the flashback, you see how he met uh, Helen. And it's at an opera, uh, and he goes. He, he starts to get uh, a jones, and he knows that he's got some booze in his jacket, so he goes to like get his jacket from the coat check guy before the performance is over, and the guy won't do it. And he says, if I had people rooting around here, back here, it would be chaos. There have to be regulations. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so funny that this coat check guy, who is like a stately older gentleman, believes so firmly... <laughs> In the, in the, like, the integrity of the coat check system.
1: <laughs> I really love that scene. <laughs> there have to be regulations! Okay, and that, so, let's talk about the women, because that scene ends with, so, one of the, the problems with this movie is there's no, like, justification for why anyone would want anything to do with this guy besides... He's mm-hmm. handsome. Yeah. Like they repeat that, it's just like, of course, women love him. He's handsome. Yeah. But he meets his girlfriend in this flashback. He meets her because they have switched uh, coat, check mm-hmm. tickets. Uh, so he has her. He gets her <laughs> coat. She gets his, and it me. They meet, and he like throws her umbrella at her, <laughs> yeah. and is so so rude to her. He
0: Goes here, catch, and throws it on the ground. <laughs>
1: throws it at her feet. <laughs> And he's so, so rude to her the he's whole so time. Rude. And and that literally two seconds later, she's like, Well, I, I'm going to a cocktail party if you wanna come. And like she's all like hot and bothered yeah. by this guy who's been nothing but rude to her and <laughs> yeah. just the worst guy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that's uh, yeah, that's that's a problem. I mean, like there there's the, the long suffering. Wife, I mean, she's not his wife, but by, for all intents and purposes, she's the long-suffering wife character uh, in this. Um, and we get really no sense of like what her deal is. Well, that's not true. I mean, we know that she's a researcher at Time, at Time Magazine, Magazine yeah. and he goes, "Would you help me be the man of the year?"
1: <laughs> Which that's a good line. Yeah, yeah. It, my favorite, good. actually, my favorite line in the movie is, "You're trying not to drink. I'm trying not to love you." Yes, <laughs> yeah which
0: is Yeah, there are some like horribly dated uh moments like that, but I mean that was that's that's just great stuff.
1: Yeah, that's really good stuff. But all the women in this movie are are sort of these angel women who mm-hmm. who enable him and help him for no discernible reason. Like my favorite character is actually the um the young woman in the bar who I think yeah. it's safe to say she's a prostitute. It's implied that she's yeah. a prostitute. She's a yeah. prostitute and she Always hanging out at the bar that he frequents. Yeah. And I guess just has a big crush on him. Yeah. And there's another scene similar where it's like the turn is so swift where he, like, they make a date that he stands her up for because he's drunk. And Mm -hmm. then he goes to her apartment and she's furious with him. She's like, I waited up half the night. I got a facial and my hair done. Yeah. And then he's like, Can I have some money? She's like, No. And then he does that thing that's great in all these old movies where a man and a woman are fighting. And the the woman hates him, but then he just dramatically kisses her. Yeah. And then she's just like can't yeah. help herself. She's like, <laughs> here,
0: take some money. But she can't resist me. <laughs> yeah. And he he's
1: shown no like redeeming qualities throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Which is it's a good portrayal of it like a good. struggling I mean, alcoholic, yeah. but there's it's no very... justification for why any of these beautiful angel women yeah like enable or like him yeah. at all the only one who handsome. doesn't
0: is the like uh, uh <laughs> the middle-aged landlady but even she is just like well I could have kicked him out years ago but <laughs> yeah. I decided not to <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah I mean I-, I do think it is um it's a uh it's a certain kind of addict I mean maybe it's specific to New York uh too and uh the self-styled siren writes about this on her blog uh, which is that like uh, it's a guy who's, like, very smart and talented, um, who just, like, cannot get it together. He's, like, always a step, sh- like, he's always a near miss, I think, is what, is the language yeah. that she uses. Um, which is, like, the most heartbreaking thing, because, like, if he just had an ounce of, um, uh, of, like, treatment or, or help, or, like, meaningful help, um, then, you know, what, what could he achieve? And I think that's, that's part of what is so heartbreaking about it. I think it's part of why we like him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we also do like him because he is, I mean, he is smart. Yeah. And yes. That's, and that's a thing that um, you see in movies about addiction a lot. And if you've ever uh, experienced someone who has addictive personality mm-hmm. uh, or, or has struggled with addiction, uh, s- sometimes they're very, very smart and they can yeah. manipulate very, very easily. And maybe yeah. that's what we're supposed to like assume why these women are so good yeah. to him is that he is just like a master manipulator and i mm-hmm. wish that was justified a little bit more or we yeah. saw that we saw the manipulation a little bit more yeah but that you do see some of that um yeah i just, mean he's I, like sm- he's crafty about how he like goes about getting. Uh, yeah yeah getting i mean drinks.
0: and that's that's it's part of the reason why you know i think we we talked about wanting him to succeed yeah. earlier it's like we want to see these schemes Play out. It's like a heist movie, almost. Yeah. And that's why that's why the moment where he steals the purse is so heartbreaking because it's right. like, oh, like this isn't even like an entertaining scheme. He's just resorting to petty theft. Yeah. Now, um, you know, because he's out of he's out of um, you know smart crafty ways to get get what he wants. And then he just like he mugs <laughs> he mugs a liquor store with no gun. At yeah. one point, <laughs> I do. Lo- yeah, I do love that scene. He he just.
1: Mugs the liquor store owner with yeah. force of will. Yeah, he, there's also he's not even pretending. He doesn't even
0: have like hand in his pocket pretending it's a gun. He's just like, I'm leaving with this. And the guy's like, he goes, Okay. He's just like, he's like so so intimidated. So that scene starts with him going to the liquor store and he goes, uh, like a fourth a rye, please. And the guy goes, uh, Do you mind if I take my coat off first? That's like a <laughs> joke. And he goes, No. <laughs> Give it to me
1: now. <laughs> I mean.
0: Yeah. Or it's like, can I take my coat off? No! <laughs> Not do you mind. Um, um, so, But I wanted to, we, we, uh, we got off on this track, I wanted to talk about Ray Miland. Okay, uh, sorry. I had only previously seen him um, uh, in Dial In for Murder, was the only other uh, mm-hmm. performance of his that I'd seen, and he's so good. I, he has such a good eye actor. I think his eyes look, they're kind of saggy, and he always—they're always, always kind of darting around, like he's uncomfortable or like he's fidgety. But not—but he—I mean, he has—he has enormous control, obviously. But he, he's so—you when you look at him, you feel like there's something up, or he wants to be somewhere else. Uh, and I think it's—it's it's put to great use here, you know.
1: Another thing I really love about his performance is he plays drunk very well. Yes, which I think is super hard uh, to do, especially for see, that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially in that era, like, tends to be, like, people overact a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's pre, pre-method, pre-naturalism. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, that was just getting popular Yeah, in the 40s, 50s. And uh, he plays drunk so well. In so many movies, you see people, and, like, most of the time, it's for comedic effect, but they go so far over the top with the slurring and the stumbling and the mm-hmm. goofy, like, sw- you know, bad grammar. Yeah. But the best performers when uh at playing drunk are when they real when people realize that drunk people are always trying to act sober yes you know so you play just you just drunk enough like someone who's trying desperately to keep it cool (laughs) but just like can't yeah uh which he does such a great job he does it in the bar a lot or he or yeah in his apartment when he's like in front of his uh girlfriend or brother yeah um and he's just—it's yeah. great. It's just the right amount of like drunk around the edges, where yeah. you can, see, you can yeah. feel him trying to hold it together, and like at any moment it could just like crack. Yeah. Uh-
0: um, also, this this is probably more of a compliment to um, uh, Wilder and Brackett's screenplay, but he's always putting his cigarette in the wrong way. Did you notice yes, this? I love that. And people I love keep taking this. it out and keep yeah. it and putting it back in uh, the right way. I mean, we were talking about how he's always a near miss uh-huh. earlier. I mean, what a what a very like funny human manifestation of that trait in his yeah. character that we could that you see and like internalize.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because that's a great thing that can be played for like corkiness mm-hmm. or played for like sad. Yeah. Oh, you can't. and both, and yeah. we get both. Yeah, and it's yeah. great.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's really it's uh really wonderful um well I mean we've we've got about ten minutes uh, well, left in the show here. I have one more thing okay one of the other minor problems with it
1: uh is the justification for why he's a drunk and like you know you can become mm-hmm. an alcoholic for any reason or no sure. reason yeah, but the justification is he's he's his his dreams are he never achieves his dreams of yes. being a writer yeah. like he his character is sort of this golden boy who gets published a lot as mm-hmm. a uh, you know a teenager in college. Uh, and then he drops out of school because he's like, oh, I'm just going to become a writer. Right. I'm going to move to New York and become a writer. I don't need school. Look at me being so successful. And then doesn't achieve and ends up uh, becoming an alcoholic, which you know, they mentioned sort of in one scene. And I mean, I think I don't wouldn't want them to overdo it, but they could have hit it a little bit harder. And I guess it wasn't a huge deal for me, but I did notice I was like, oh, the justification for like, why he is the way he is is mm-hmm. not super strong. Yeah. Uh, but then reading about the book, mm. mo- uh, a, a big part of the book is that the character is implied that he's a closeted homosexual, mm-hmm. which makes so much more sense. The movie and that character makes so much more sense when we yeah. realize that oh, he is you know drinking because he can't be who he is right. openly. Right. Um, which. You know, maybe would, you know, if they ever remade this, did another adaptation of the yeah, book, yeah. would be more interesting to explore Certainly now. now. Certainly now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or as a period piece or
0: something. I certainly don't fault them for removing those elements of the book from the screenplay. Uh, just because if they're already breaking these taboos by portraying addiction oh. on the screen. I mean, it was 1945. The country's not ready.
1: No, I mean, I'm not blaming Billy Wilder for, no, not no, I know, p- for I know. taking it out. I'm just, a, you know.
0: I mean, it's an enormously progressive uh, movie. I mean, so many of Billy Wilder's movies are. Yeah. Uh, and this one, you know, treating treating the alcoholic like, uh, like alcoholism like it's a disease is an enormously modern idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, and there's no, like, there's no prescription of, like, well, you just need more self-control. It's like, no, like, this is an affliction for yeah, him. Yeah, and I
1: like that they don't, th- the movie is not so heavy-handed where that's, like, the that's not the conclusion that they come to by the end. It's like yes. you know what? Alcoholism is a disease. Like the she's the girlfriend character Jane Wyman's character states it yeah right up top. Like, yeah. oh he's sick, he needs help, yeah. he's they that's just sort of an assumption in the movie rather than like some grand conclusion that they come to. Mm. Whereas, you know, in a in a heavy handed social yeah. movie like yeah. A Crash, it's just like, Oh my god, I guess good white people can also be racist. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I think we have to do Crash next. Oh. <laughs> we've been we've been uh, uh, hyping it so Maybe. much. Yeah, it's, it is a good companion <laughs> no, piece I to don't. this movie as like yeah. a social issue. Yeah, Best Picture winner. Yeah. So why don't we? I mean, we have a couple minutes left. Uh, we have several minutes left. Okay, um, great. but uh, I, why don't we kind of try and close the things down with uh, just sort of a quick sort of wrap up um, of sort of our overall impressions.
1: All right. So final thoughts. I think definitely recommend it to. For sure, any fan of Billy Wilder. It is an interesting um, piece of his filmography because it's er it's very early. I think it's his third or fourth film. Mm. uh, And it's the one he did right after Double Indemnity um, because he wrote Double Indemnity with Raymond Chandler. And Raymond Chandler was a recovering alcoholic who actually the Mm -hmm. stress of writing that film made him relapse. uh, And Billy Wilder watching that made him want to make this movie uh, about a recovering alcoholic. So it's it's interesting mm-hmm. to, like, see where this falls in his filmography, um, sort of in that early period where he was doing a lot of noir and a lot of drama. Before, sort of, uh, post-Sunset Boulevard, he went pretty much hard into only comedies. He made uh-huh. very few dramas. So it's interesting. It's a... Uh, oh, no.
0: It's yeah, yeah. I I cannot wait to revisit Billy Wilder on another episode. Yeah. Um, Whenever we eventually get to The Apartment, uh, which, again, is my favorite movie of all time, uh, we might have to have a uh, supersized episode for that one.
1: Maybe we'll just watch it and do commentary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, download our commentary track. Would you put
1: this in your top five Billy Wilder movies?
0: Uh, Lost Weekend? Yeah. I would. Yeah, I would. I would rank it above... Some of the some of like the mid period comedies. It's tough because
1: he made so many good. I don't think it's as good as Apartment, some like it Hot mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard or Double Indemnity, but it might get into that fifth slot. Yeah, I do like Seven Year Itch though too. I would say oh, you know what I haven't seen Seven Year Itch. Oh, it's great. Yeah, but uh, I would put it. It's like you know, there's all his work is is great, but there's yeah. uh, it's I think maybe a tier two Billy Wilder for me.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Slightly below, but it's still great and super obviously worth checking out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to really go through these and, yeah. and think about them. It's tough cuz he's made so many good movies. I know. I mean, the guy, it, there's a uh, there's one There I think the only I want to say the only Criterion release of a Billy Wilder movie is one called Ace in the Hole with Kirk which, Douglas? Yeah. Yeah. Uh which That's I right. have not seen either uh, and really really want to see. Um but that doesn't make for uh, entertaining radio, so I won't <laughs> I won't dwell on it. <laughs> um,
1: any other final thoughts?
0: Uh, I think I think we hit uh, all. I, I definitely recommend the movie uh, if it's not clear from um, you know what we've been talking about. Uh, I think there are there are some problems with the, with the ending that stick out, um, but and it, it's but it's a really it's. Um, and most of the billy wilder movies uh, the dramas especially are like this is it's it's amazing how uh relevant to daily life they still mm-hmm. seem yeah. uh and so there are a lot of great uh very like human character moments um that i found very heartbreaking uh and that's the kind of stuff that i i want to do in my work mm-hmm. uh so like definitely definitely check it out for those reasons
1: yeah also uh Just to hit on one more specific, I Mm -hmm. do love... So I'm going to make a basketball analogy. You know, in basketball, the great teams, you have your stars and your starters. But the great teams are the ones that can, like, nail the picks around the edges. Like, the Mm -hmm. role players are, like, the late-round draft picks who you can just, like, fill in the gaps, which this movie does so well. All the small characters and the ones we've mentioned before, like, uh, Doris Dowling plays the prostitute. She's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another character, tiny character that I really loved... Mm -hmm was the John who comes in. Oh yeah. Uh who's in he has got only about like 10 lines, but he's terrific. Yeah. Uh <laughs> he comes in uh as um Doris Stowling's character is is making a date with Ray Milan's character that she, he, you know, she eventually gets stood up. Yeah. Uh but he she has uh, previously made a date with this John character <laughs> who comes in who then she is now blowing off in this scene yeah. and uh, I don't know. His it's his very funny. Scene. His like innocent joy that <laughs> that then becomes sadness mm-hmm. is
0: very funny. Oh, it's it's, oh, it's be uh, great.
1: But that all all the around the edges characters. Yeah. Um, in this film are
0: great. Agreed. So check it out for that reason as well. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to the end of this first episode of Best Cast with Matt and Colby. Yeah. Uh, we hope to see you guys soon. And it also brings to the end this episode of Young Persons Radio, mm-hmm. the filibuster. <laughs> we'll call this one. Not a not a single call. Not a single call. Because nobody can hear what we're talking about. Because again, this is pre-recorded. Uh so I want to thank everybody for listening. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Colby J Smith and Matt on Twitter at StrickBomb. Is it strict underscore bomb? Nope. Just strict okay, Bomb. S T
1: R I C K B O M B.
0: And uh, you know, stay tuned for more great talk shows here on Radio Free Brooklyn uh, today. Points of Order is coming up next so and uh, the great sports talk shows, so we're really excited to uh, see what they have in store. Uh, we will be back next week and Best Cast will be back soon as well. Uh, so, thanks everybody for listening. This has been Young Persons Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am your host, Colby Smith. We will see you all soon. Bye. it